are listening to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Newark. We're coming to you to bring knowledge and some courage as we voyage through this life as missionary disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with my friend and colleague, Father John Gordon. Hello and welcome to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization. My name is Jennifer Benke. I am the Associate Director of the Office for Evangelization here at the Archdiocese of Newark. And today I want to present to you a conversation that I was privileged to have with the author Emily Jaminette. Emily is a prolific writer, Catholic mom, and promoter of the devotion to the Sacred Heart. She's the engine behind the enthronement of the Sacred Heart ministry out in Ohio, and I really wanted to have her here to speak to us about what the devotion to the Sacred Heart looks like and how it informs who we are as Catholics, and if there is a spiritual devotion besides the rosary that we are called as Catholics to really understand and consider. The Sacred Heart is an ancient one, and it has been a part of who we are in Jesus's uh, incarnation. And so we have this wonderful discussion about kind of demystifying what the Sacred Heart is and taking all of the sort of the superstitious aspects of the Sacred Heart devotion. We kind of get rid of those and focus back on what the Sacred Heart devotion is. And Emily has two wonderful books, more more than two, but two excellent books that I've read about the Sacred Heart. And they're both scripturally based and based in our Catholic saints and their lives. So in order to have have spoken to her and spent most of our time talking about her experiences with the Sacred Heart and what led her to write the books and how she sees the devotion of the Sacred Heart intrinsically linked to evangelization. I did not have her um, pray with me, but I did afterwards ask her if it was all right if I read uh, two Sacred Heart prayers. So we're going to begin today as we begin in all things with a prayer reading the litany of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God the Father in heaven, have mercy on us. God the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God the Holy Spirit, Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, Son of the Eternal Father, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, formed by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, substantially united to the Word of God, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, of infinite majesty, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, sacred temple of God, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, Tabernacle of the Most High, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, House of God and Gate of Heaven, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, Burning Furnace of Charity, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, Abode of Justice and Love, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, Full of Goodness and Love, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, Wellspring of All Virtues, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, Most Worthy of All Praise, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, King and center of all hearts, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, in whom dwells the fullness of divinity, have mercy on us. 
Heart of Jesus, in whom the Father was well pleased, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, whose fullness we have all received, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, desire of the everlasting hills, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, patient and most merciful, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, enriching all who invoke you, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, fountain of life and holiness, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, atonement for our sins, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, overwhelmed with insults, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, bruised for our offenses, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, obedient unto death, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, pierced with a lance, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, source of all consolation, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, our life and resurrection, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, our peace and reconciliation, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, victim of sins, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, salvation of those who trust in you, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, hope of those who die in you, have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, delight of all saints, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, look upon the heart of your dearly beloved Son and upon the praise and satisfaction he offers you in the name of sinners and for those who seek your mercy. Be appeased and grant us pardon in the name of the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you forever and ever. Amen. Without delay, this is Emily Jaminette. Well, first, I have to say congratulations on jumping into a brand new field of evangelization. I was excited for you, hoping and anticipating how God was going to use you when you stepped away from working at the parish level. So I, I think that's a great, a great win for your diocese. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It was it was a di- very difficult decision because I, you know, you give 15 years of love to a place and you just come to love the place so much. And, you know, it was the Church of the Sacred Heart. So it was the first time I really encountered the devotion to the Sacred Heart apart from seeing the the image at my aunt's house or my parents having the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary on either side of the piano. Like I didn't I didn't really have a connect- connection to it. And so when we began a couple years ago, I would say almost a decade ago, doing the Novena to the Sacred Heart leading up to the feast day, that really like that changed my whole perspective on spending daily time with Christ, you know, and really spending that time and then falling in love with Eucharistic devotion, falling and, and just really being asked to come closer and closer to his heart. And it was just, I had to like, let go of, you're not going to be far away because, you know, I'm, I'm here now at the archdiocese. I'm doing the the heart of the arc podcast, right? Because we're Newark archdiocese, but we're the cathedral basilica of the sacred heart right here. And yeah, so I feel like I'm pulling, I'm being pulled closer to like, okay, you're, you're praying now. Now I got to send you out and, and do it. So, um, so well, th- to be able to promote on this next level, right? Because I think one thing I always appreciate about your devotion, Jennifer, is that you had such a 
uh, deeply scriptural and even your love for the music and understanding the liturgy and the, the, the high feast of the sacred heart. I think there's so many components, right? And so I always tell people like, you got to have the right entry point to get on the train to begin to receive the grace. And what I loved about your story and the impact of the parish at Sacred Heart is like, you began with a tiny yes, not knowing where that was going to lead even the parish and the individual, which to me is, um, I I get so excited about that because that means the Holy Spirit showed up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It worked. Exactly. So um, I know you have these two wonderful books. The Secrets of the Sacred Heart and your newest book, The Holy Habits of the Sacred Heart. So mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about both of them, but talk about your yes. I know you speak about it in in this book more, um, in the in your first book a little bit more, but talk to me about your yes and how that's led you into this being a promoter of this devotion to the sacred heart. Well, I think my yes is like a lot of people's yes. You say yes on a very little level. (laughs) And then when we say yes with our heart, the Lord can flood us with grace. And that is an example to my own journey. First, witnessing it with my family, seeing the, the, the graces poured out over previous generations, not really understanding why our family was different, but understanding that we were striving for something, um, out of this world, literally, you know, to grow in holiness, to be in the world, but not worldly. Like these are the type of things that were goals, um, value systems that my parents held. And then for my own journey, I, you know, was just always been a cradle Catholic. I've always wanted to live out the church's teachings. I've wanted to live out a vibrant faith life. And I remember that, you know, when six kids in and, and just like that, like, you know, white knuckling my Catholicism, almost like we can, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And recognizing that, like loving the people of your life with your own love, it's going to be counterfeit. It's going to be distorted. It's going to be not imperfect. So it's like, I almost had that mirror in front of myself that night And instead, Jesus said, remove the mirror and look at my heart, you know, because all the grace is here, all the comforts here, all the strength is here. It's you saying, yes, you know, let me, let me lead you. And so ever since that, you know, um, beautiful moment that was completely within my Catholic faith, it was, you know, it deepened everything. It deepened my relationship with Eucharist. It deepened my relationship with my husband. It deepened my relationship and understanding of even the church's teachings. Like it all kind of made sense. And then what I did is I started looking back at how the devotion strengthened previous generations. And this light bulb went off. Like this was the devotion of Catholic families. Like, like you mentioned, every family had an image of the Sacred Heart and Immaculate Heart. Every family of different cultures and nations understood that our faith needed to be rooted deeply in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which was devotion to the most sacred heart of Jesus, and then honoring and consecrating ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary as well. So that's a little overview, but I it's it's looking at my imperfect heart that I realized I need more Jesus now than, than ever before. Right. Absolutely. I agree. I, part of my crazy journey to the sacred heart at one point was I I went to a a bookstore and I grabbed 
uh, Soren Kierkegaard of all, and it was um, uh, works of love, you know, and he says only when love is a duty, does it become, uh, it doesn't come out from our own personal imperfect love. It's only when we love as duty that we love perfectly because we understand that it's not that mirror that you speak about. And we have to really work hard to get out of ourselves, even more now, it seems, in the world than ever because our, our world seems so interiorly focused on imperfect love, expressions of it, let's say. Yeah, they're almost counterfeits, right? Because when you do a deep dive into the sacred heart, and what I have found is that you never, you will never be able to grasp the beauty, the virtue, the grace, the mercy that flows from his heart. And we know that because of St. Margaret Mary Alico. We know that because of the other saints as well. St. Gertrude, you know, Padre Pio speaks about his loving heart. St. John Paul II speaks about, I mean, the saints can't get enough out of his heart. So when that's your well to where you go, you'll never run dry. Right. But like you said, if you're thinking about me and my needs and what I want, you know, you will end up with a counterfeit, a twisting um, and, and even a vice, even the potential for, for not expressing love with the intention of doing so. Right. So I guess you could say I'm just on this like huge mission to put Jesus back at the center. Like, let's put him back at the center of the month of June. Let's put him back at the center of our family life, of our relationships, of our Catholic schools, of our parishes, so that we remember everything flows out of love. The sacrament, the mass, the teachings, the um, the devotion. It's the devotion because it's Jesus's perfect heart. So it's, it's definitely impacted myself. And I, I love writing about it. I love sharing um, stories and helping people to see the simplicity and yet the beauty of the devotion. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in your, in your first book, you talk about that you really go through the 12, like the secrets of the sacred heart, which are not secrets because they've been published since, you know, since Margaret Mary uh, received them. Right. So like, we don't we don't keep good secrets in the Catholic Church. We put them in a book and we say, this is what it is. Do it. You know, and I remember having a conversation with um, a former pastor and he said, you know, if we just if we just put the 12 secrets back in practice in every parish, there would be no more problems like every like if we could just get our hands around this. So that the thing I love about this book is that you go through and you you break them down and, you know, sometimes the wording seems a little bit like out there, the secret. It's like, well, why would I do that? Why would I display an image in my home of Jesus with his heart inflamed? Like, I don't get it. And you take all the secrets and you you bring them right here, right back to us with your own story and then with a testimony of someone else's story. And then with the ways in which we can start a sort of start to think about, well, how does that affect my life? So I thought, sure, you know, Secrets of the Secret Heart was was a way to present the 12 promises also scripturally, taking a grasp with the teachings and removing some of that, you know, mysticism or even, you know, superstition that, you know, if I just do that one thing, then I'm going to heaven. You know, that's, 
it, it, it's not the truth. The truth is, is our journey is an everyday journey. You know, as a lot of times I tell my kids, we get to go to mass. We get to pray as a family. We get to eat vegetables at dinner. You know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, so I, I take those 12 promises, which was really neat is St. Margaret Mary wrote a lot more promises, especially promises to religious communities that Jesus revealed to her. If this image is honored. And I love that he told her that he wanted his image exposed and honored. And those two components are really important. It's not just, you know, oh, I have an image in my my office or an image in my home or, oh, I have a tattoo of the sacred heart. You know, no, we have to show reverence for this image because it represents the person of Jesus Christ. It's so important. The unseen guests at the dinner table, the holy stop sign that causes you to pause and pray. You know, a lot of people say, you know, he's my filter to if I should watch it on TV or on my my phone, you know, Jesus's heart. Does this offend him? Does this hurt him? So the book was really just a way to take something that might have seemed abstract and put some meat on it. And yet at the same time, at the end, Someone said to me recently, Emily, but the questions at the end of each chapter, they, they were different than some of your other books because they were more reflective and they were more, you know, harder to share in a group setting. And I said, yeah, because you have to do the inner dive in your own heart to right. figure out where you stand in relationship to his heart and in, you know, different books have different purposes. But this this book is meant for you to grow closer to the heart of Jesus and literally claim the promises, all of them, and, and live the devotion, live out a vibrant Catholic life. My son is June 2nd, Friday, Friday will be his ninth month. So he's made the first Friday devotions for nine months. So he's super excited. And, you know, back in October when he started, you know, he was like, I'm going to do it, you know? And so, and he's a 16 year old, like, that's that's he's had to make a commitment to it to every month. And so this coming Friday, he's he actually was asked to serve at the baccalaureate mass as a sophomore and at his school. And it's being held at the Cathedral Basilica. And I said, did you ever think back in October when you started that your ninth month, you would be on the altar serving the ninth month at the Cathedral Basilica of the Sacred Heart. Like you never know where that's going to lead. And I think that goes back to what we said at the beginning. Like you never know where that little yes is going to lead you back to. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm getting emotional. Like, <laughs> you know, if your listeners can see me, I'm like getting emotional over that moment because it's so true as a parent, all we want to do is past the faith. You know, a lot of times I talk about how we pass the torch of faith and this is it. Give your kids the heart of Jesus because Jesus wants to console them, help them, strengthen them, be with them. And it's funny that you said that because we also started the journey of my girls wanted to do the first Friday devotion. So we went, our first mass was September and I was traveling on a first Friday and I was telling my husband, like, all the logistics to get these kids to four o'clock mass after school. Like, you got to pick them up, you got to get them a snack, and then you got to go to this church, you know, across town. And well, it didn't happen. And they were like, Mom, we have to start over. You know, they understood. And I said, It's okay because. That's the gift of being Catholic is it's all about starting over. If it, if it wasn't about starting over, there'd be no hope. But so again, our, we recommitted on actually it was good Friday. You know, that Friday was a, 
a first Friday um, this particular year. So, you know, we've been getting to journey, but part of it is just this beautiful witness that we get to have as Catholics of holding holy the first Friday of the month, remembering Jesus's death, recommitting to, um, you know, giving him our heart and offering up prayers of reparation saying, okay, Lord, as the world is falling apart, you know, I'm not just going to complain. I'm going to do something. And the doing something is turning to him in prayer and reparation. So I think this devotion is perfect for the times that we live in. And I'm going to think of your son on the first Friday, like, and a lot of priests, a lot of priests tell me that their vocations came from their parents' devotion and commitment to the Sacred Heart. So I think that's noteworthy as well. Yeah. A couple of weeks from now, I'm going to have a conversation about the heart of Jesus as the priestly heart. And really, what does that mean like to have a heart of a shepherd? What does that what does that really mean in his life and then also in the men that he helps with their own book? There was a, a beautiful dialogue between our bishop, Bishop Earl Fernandez, who is our newly appointed bishop here in Columbus, Ohio, with Father Stosh Daly, who I've written about and talked about. He's one of our co-founders of this really this beautiful initiative and movement to promote the enthronement. And, you know, I walked in and I said, oh, you know, Bishop, oh, Father, you know, you don't have to make the the priest feel like, you know, he has to do all these steps for the enthronement. And it was really beautiful because in the moment, you know, they, they looked at me and they said, no, this is what we want our priests to do is to encounter the love of Jesus as much as our laity, right? It's not just for the laity or just for the priest or just for the religious sister who's, you know, in, in a cloistered order. It's for the entire church. And when we look at the the saints, you know, of the Sacred Heart, those who've lived a life committed, it wasn't just they were all super smart and they all went to, you know, it was peasant, uh, priest, religious sister, laity. And, and that was really my example, even in my grandparents, just the simplicity of how they implemented it. So this is for the whole church. This is not a political movement. This is absolutely the solution to the problems of our world. And I love that you shared that earlier about your pastor um, coming to that realization as well. And I love that you talk about your grandparents. I, you know, I took piano lessons as a kid and I recognized that like the sacred heart was on the left side of the piano and the immaculate heart was on the right side of the piano. And I think it just, it occurred to me, like after I started finding out about the sacred heart, I was like, oh, and I asked my mom about them. And she said to me, your great grandfather embroidered them for your grandmother when she converted because my grandmother was Dutch reform and she wanted to marry a Catholic. So she converted to Catholicism, but her father, the Norwegian Dutch reform recognized that part of a Catholic home was to have these two images. So he, who was, he was a master embroiderer. He did them for his daughter for her conversion. And so we have them in our home as part of like, that's part of our conversion story. But he like, even not being Catholic, he recognized that that was, the thing you needed in your house, you know? Wow. That's a great story. I love that story. And what I love is that it's a personal story, right? We all are invited to have that personal story. Where did your image come from? Why is it there? And, you know, a lot of times people will say, um, you know, they'll get their image of the Sacred Heart, Immaculate Heart. And and sadly, um, thrift stores, antique malls, they're everywhere, you know, claim them, bring them into your homes, share them with others, you know, don't let them 
sit there in, in places that are not of reverence. But then you bring them in the home and then people will say, well, I don't want to put a nail on the wall. I don't know where the decorator wants me to put it. <laughs> and I'll say, no, proclaim the image, you know, put it on your mantle, you know, put it up in a place that serves as that holy reminder. It's not just, you know, oh, your laundry room and your back storage room. Like, and it's interesting because I see the neighbor kids respond to them. I see, you know, how, you know, even just my husband and I got in this little argument the other day. I was like, right in front of Jesus. All right. We better, you know, we better speak more gently. We better use um, language that reflects our vocation, especially in the light of having the children, you know, in our life. Like it, it's a call to being better. It's not a an, an invitation to love like he loves. And um, for me, it was my grandparents. Like they, as I mentioned in the book, my grandfather, you know, their basement was covered in images of the Sacred Immaculate Heart. He had a little woodworking room and he would just, you know, make these images, these plaques of the Sacred Heart and Immaculate Heart. And um, he shipped them out to Albania and India. And it didn't really mean much until he got a birthday card from Mother Teresa and it was thanking him for the images for the home of the sick and the dying. And it was his 80th birthday. And I just remember being in high school thinking like, what is grandpa doing? You know, what's going on here? You know, but it was beautiful because it was his response to how to make the world a better place was I'm going to make these images and we're going to get them to Mother Teresa and, you know, to to strengthen faith around the world, literally around the world. So. It's as much about our personal home, you know, changing the welcoming the Lord in, allowing him to to bring about an awakening and change, and then also putting us on mission like, Lord, what do you want me to do about the state of the world is, you know, am I called to a greater, you know, invitation to serve on another capacity or to speak out or to just do acts of reparation and holy prayer. And so it's it's really um just the greatest solution to to where we're at. So I'm glad that you liked um, secrets of the sacred heart. And you're right; they're they're not really secrets. Um, that's the best part. But but they do hopefully invite you to cling and claim promises that are, um, you know, really our roadmap to salvation. Absolutely. So you just talked about going on mission. So I think that's a good segue to your new book, <laughs> which is the Holy Habits of the Sacred Heart and. Um, if this one, if, if secrets use the 12 promises, I, you know, I recognize that the holy habits are really, you use the, the seven virtues that we want to cultivate in our life, um, mm -hmm. as, as Catholics, as kind of the framework that you approach all these devotion to the sacred heart. You says something about like planting the seeds of, of virtue and, as we per persevere in living a life pleasing to the Lord, the seeds of faith planted in us at baptism and cultivated through the other sacraments will blossom in us, you know, and we must nurture these seeds. So I really like, I love this in terms of the, the virtue because, you know, as a mom, that's what I really like. That's, that's what I know my kids need to face the world that they are encountering and will in continue to encounter. So and our virtue is how people know, like how we respond to things is how they know what's going on within our own heart. And um, I was reading, I, I try to read St. Margaret Mary's uh, diary and some of her letters daily. And I remember there was one particular quote and it said like, 
from his heart flowed, you know, mercy. And I have a huge commitment to divine mercy. I, I have a couple books on it. I, I see the value of mercy, receiving that mercy, that that beautiful gift given to each soul. And then charity, that made sense. You know, welcome Jesus into your life. He he is full of perfect charity and love. And then grace, thinking about the times that I've turned to him, like, Lord, okay, thank you for that grace. Thank you for, you know, the grace to bring a child, a wayward child home, just reflecting on all these beautiful movements that have taken place and even the grace to sustain faith. But when I read virtue that flowed from his heart, I was like, wow, that's what really gives us the legs to, to go forth, to live, to live it out. And really that call to, to not just, um, be well catechized, but, but how we live our life. And for me, um, virtue is, is, as you mentioned, is challenging as a parent, you know, how we speak, how we live, (laughs) how we forgive, how we, how we structure, this is it. And, And I felt like, we needed an entry book that um, really taught people that they can claim this devotion and then live it out amongst their their peers, amongst these relationships that need his love. You know, he is he's the source. So it was um, it was a fun book to write. It was challenging because it's a little bit different. It's a glance into other people's hearts, a little bit into my heart, and hearing these stories that. Um, sometimes are hard to hear, you know, criticism, what that, what that looks like. It's, it's hard to see, you know, in the times we're critical, but you know, the invitation of the Lord for us to be more charitable is, is truly important um, as we respond to the, to the world that we live in. Yeah. I, and, you know, in each of these things um, you, you start with Margaret Mary, you, you use scripture and you use, uh, like you said, the, your own life, as well as uh, the witness of other people. There's so much of the way in which you approach, just let's say the criticism. So you say, however, the closer we grow to the heart of Jesus, the more our critical tendencies are rooted out as we are transformed in charity. We realize that we do not know the thoughts and intentions of other people and that our harsh judgments are hurtful and unchristlike. And this realization is the first step to healing. I was like, whoa, whoa, that is just like, that's not just good spiritual health. That's good mental health. That's good. Like, that's just, I need to hear that. I need to read that 15 times a day and say like, Jen, let go. Like, and you don't know, and you can't know what other people's intentions are. So just let it go, you know, and I have all the other fears that I work on, but they're addressed in this book. But but when you got to that and I was like, oh, I just need to read that over and over again and really let that sink in. So the way and then the ways in which you talk about the school of like, how do we live this out? It's just important, right? I mean, when you are trying to evangelize the people of your own life, you know, a lot of times it's at least for my own children, it's it's not how well I can quote the catechism that's going to change their heart. It's how I live my faith. And one of the things that just continues to boggle my mind is the um, the road to non-practicing Catholics. You know, it's like we, we baptize them, we give them their first communion, we give them confirmation. And then it's like, where are they? You know, and, and I think that that invitation, what's going to invite them back 
is the flame that sets the world ablaze. And again, it's not the fire. It's Christ's love. It's how we love. It's, it's, it's speaking truth, but with true charity. And that to me is something that is just awesome. Like it, like the sacred heart has, um, given me literally the roadmap to, to how to transform relationships. And then the enthusiasm and the excitement to say, okay, now we can change the whole world right? because the whole world's been changed many times because of the sacred heart, right? It's not just Emily Jana. It's like, no, look at what Jansenism, you know, look at how that was overcome. Look at the strength, many of, and I didn't write about this um, in this particular book, but when I was reading Father Larkin's book, um, an old book put out by the Paulines um, in the 1970s, a lot of the testimonies he was talking about was the strength of the parents during World War One and during World War II with their young sons, entrusting them to the Sacred Heart as they headed off to battle, representing their country. So to me, it was like, I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of strength. I want that kind of trust where it's not a control game. It's like, Jesus, you get all my relationships. You get all my children. You get the school that, that I might be irritated with. You get the, you know, all these little things that aren't perfect, but nothing's perfect except for your love. So... I'm, um, I'm, I am in no way have this perfected, Jen. I'm definitely on the journey to figure it out, at least the the road that I'm supposed to be on. (laughs) Absolutely. But I, the other thing I love about it is that you talk about, um, the ways in which to do this as a school. And that's something that um, Father John, my boss, uh, the secretary for evangelization and I are working on a school of prayer and we'll be doing monthly classes and I I begged him as we're doing these monthly classes to talk about the devotions, the devotional practices, because um when we get to that session, like I, I'm hoping that he'll let me really engage with the Sacred Heart because that's something um and especially in our very ethnically diverse archdiocese that this is something that like we have so much richness in the ways in which different communities throughout the whole world have approached the sacred heart in their faith history. It's circled the globe, you know, for generations and you can see the devotion practiced and lived out. And that's one of the privileges of of being in in a a ministry that has global reach is that I love, you know, the Philippines, I get a picture on the first Friday, here we are and there's hundreds of people and they're wearing their vests and they're, they're doing acts of reparation. And then I send a picture of where I am and there might be, 10 of us, but we're, we're there, you know, we want to do this. So part of it is it's, it's building community within our faith. So we don't turn to despair, but we turn, you know, again, to gratitude, to Thanksgiving. And then, you know, at the end of the book, I talk about joy. Joy is a major component to evangelization and the sacred hearts invited me to a more joyful life to say, you put past the criticism, put past the negativity, but embrace, you know, a spirit of gratitude. So then the gratitude so forth, you know, comes joy and inner peace and tranquility and trust. So the kingdom of God is, is here now and instead of um, the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. I, and for me, the joy has only come in my life through uh, the devotion to the Sacred Heart and really understanding how close his heart beats to mine. You know, um, I've, I've spoken a couple different times about a, even very recently with a, a health struggle I had where I felt like 
as soon as I walked into the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, I felt like he was standing right there and his heart was beating for me, just like if my mom was standing there. Like, I'm so glad to see you. And it was like, fell to my knees like a like a little kid would fall into sobs in, in his arms. It was just, and it, it felt that intimate. And I just, like, I want that for so, I want that for everyone. I want them to feel that intimacy of that love because the only perfect love besides what I experience when I hold my own children, right? It's, it's that all encompassing love that we all want and we all deserve and we all can access through the sacred heart. We can access it. We can have that heart to heart, like you mentioned. And then he says, okay, let's do a little surgery on that heart, right? Let's, (laughs) let's get those pebbles and rocks out of there so that you can be a new creation. And then, you know, a lot of times too, with the enthronement of the sacred heart, placing him on a throne of authority in your home, you know, he, he might do a little spiritual rearranging of the furniture as well. Your priorities, maybe, you know, trusting him when, you know, things don't go as picture perfect, you know, the way you appear, just just continue to trust. And, and that relationship is one that's super healthy because we, we can't cling so tightly to this world. We need to be able to allow him to penetrate our world and, and help us grow in meekness and humbleness and, and humility. So those two virtues flow from his heart. And that's, that's the whole mission I'm on, you know, change my heart, but Lord, I want to bring everyone with me as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit of, about the Sacred Heart and Throwman, because I see that you've got a Sacred Heart revival that starts tomorrow on June 1st. Yes. And you so, want, yeah, go ahead. So, okay. At welcomeisheart.com, we have a couple different great initiatives. So you can get enthronement material, you can learn about the devotion. We got videos and resources that you can share with others. One thing we're doing is sacredheartrevival.com across the United States and even globally. We have a map where people are saying, I'm going to promote the enthronement. I'm going to, you know, re-enthrone a parish, uh, re- get the devotion out to my youth group, for example. And they do the the promoting, the the like responding to the heart of Jesus. Because one thing we know is June is dedicated to the sacred heart of Jesus. This is a very holy month for us as Catholics. And yet this is a month where the rest of the world is you know, very confused by the purpose of this month. So this is our response to say, you know, this is the month of Jesus. We want to have a revival, sacredheartrevival.com. We have over 300 locations across the country where, and even internationally where people are doing this and it's a grassroots movement. So it's as simple as, you know, picking up an image at a thrift store and saying, you know, we, we're enthroning him here. It's as much as, you know, you can order kits and materials. We had a youth group just order them for her whole youth group. And she said, these kids are spiritually starving. They need Jesus so badly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's allowing room for the Holy Spirit to work in this revival. But the key is, is that we respond to his love. It's not our, we love him first. No, he loves us. He died for us. And what is our response, especially the times we live in? Amen. Amen. I think that's the perfect way to do to kick off the month. I just want to thank you for your time. And I know this is busy. You're in the middle of speaking engagements everywhere. So thank you so much to, for finding time to speak to us today. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And people can visit uh, welcomeisheart.com to learn more about the devotion. And any way I can help them um, is wonderful. Thank you.
I'll put all of the links in our show notes and hopefully we get more and more people from the Archdiocese of Newark and beyond to, to enthrone his sacred heart in their homes. Perfect. And it's not just June. It's any time of the year. <laughs> any time of the year is a good time to start. All right. God bless you, Emily. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. to conclude my conversation with Emily Jaminette, who was lovely and gracious to have spoken to me today in the midst of all of her schedule promoting the Sacred Heart, the beginning this. If you want information about all of her books, it's in the notes. Ave Maria Press has carried the two that mainly spoke about today, but I will put some links in the show notes for her books. So I'm going to conclude today with the consecration to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O sacred heart of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to thee I consecrate and offer up my person and my life, my actions, trials, and sufferings, that my entire being may henceforth only be employed in loving, honoring, and glorifying thee. This is my irrevocable will to belong entirely to thee and to do all for thy love, renouncing with my whole heart all that can displease thee. I take thee, O sacred heart, for the sole object of my love, the protection of my life, the pledge of my salvation, the remedy of my frailty and inconstancy, the reparation for all the defects of my life, and my secure refuge at the hour of my death. Be thou, O most merciful heart, my justification before God thy Father, and screen me from his anger, which I have so justly merited. I fear all my own weakness and malice, but placing my entire confidence in thee, O heart of love, I hope all from thine infinite goodness. Annihilate in me all that can displease or resist thee. Imprint thy pure love so deeply in my heart that I may never forget thee or be separated from thee. I beseech thee through thine infinite goodness, grant that my name be engraved upon thy heart, for in this I place all my happiness and all my glory to live and to die as one of thy devoted servants. Amen. Heart of the Ark podcast is an initiative by the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. If you want to find us online, you can find us at rcan.org slash evangelization. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Very soon we'll be updating our social media for the Heart of the Ark, but you can find us on Fireside Podcasts at heartoftheark.fireside.fm. Our theme song is composed by and orchestrated by Eric Hunter, a dear friend of mine. You can find out more about Eric and his performances and compositions at Eric, E-R-I-C, Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, music.com. This has been a pleasure, and I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you in the future.